Hello everybody and welcome to Coffee Pods. It's great to be with you. My name's Lisa and I'm pleased to have Wes with us again this week. Hi. So Wes, we are going to be continuing our series where we've looked at lots of different really helpful topics, haven't we, about um, ministering healing and just ministering to other people. Um, and today we're going to be looking at some insights into ministry. So it's almost like a little toolbox in 15 minutes, I suppose, that people yeah. can take away with them. You can chat over it with friends, with a healing hub, or just mull over it on your own. But um, we thought that this might be quite a helpful thing for us to do, especially, I suppose, as we're starting to minister in new ways online um, and also in person. We're back to meeting in our worship places. Um, so it's really good to just be chatting these things through. So why don't we start with the fear of failure, Wes, and how this can uh, be quite intrusive in, in our minds, can't it? Yeah, it can do. And, and of course, one of the lovely things I worked out is that God wanted us to be faithful. Absolutely. But he also wanted us to be fruitful. So he, yeah. so he actually wanted us, it, we wanted it to work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's not like God says, well, have a go, but you're never going to make it anyhow. But I just like watching you struggle. Actually, if you think about it, God's um, intention as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus was that that it, it some way it would actually happen. So whether it's about healing or leading people to Jesus or helping people find peace or teaching others about the kingdom, whatever it is, you know, Sunday school um, downwards. Notice I didn't say Sunday school upwards. I said Sunday school downwards. I'd love to see children involved in ministry a whole lot more than we allow them in the church. But it was that it would work. You know, so we had a thing where we started to pray and say, Lord, please bring to me people I can help, not people I can't. <laughs> you know, I mean, that sounds quite a sensible prayer in the end. You know, Lord, please bring me people I can help. But we do get stuck with the idea that, and, and the fear is rooted in a number of things. One, God is going to look bad. Yeah. And two, the church is going to look bad. And three, I'm going to look bad. And four, that the other person's going to be um, disappointed. And, you know, um, I'm sure that some people in the early days of ministry feel that they're going to do something that's going to bring Christianity to an end. It's all going to be their fault. <laughs> yes. You pray for somebody, didn't work, and nobody believes anymore. And, of course, none of that's true. Um, the first one, God's going to look bad. He, you know, I've worked out he can cope with that because people work out. <laughs> it's funny enough, isn't it, that people work out that if we ever get something wrong, the chances are it's not God that got it wrong. It was us. But it's the fear of it that makes us hesitant. We were talking about that with um, one of the hub teams this week, that it's the hesitancy that comes to us. Or we we just dumb it down a bit. We won't pray quite so clearly or with such conviction. We'll, we'll make it a general sort of possible thing that it could hit something, you know. Um, and, and there is that genuine fear that, you know, we don't want to hurt others. We don't want to cause them uh, an, any more pain. And so, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons, Lisa, why we don't tell people that if they are still in the place of needing to receive healing, that it's due to their lack of faith. We say we, that's not part of our language. So why do we fear? Well, I think if I'm honest, I could talk for me, really, can't I? Um, I fear because of my pride. I think I'm going to look bad. I'm good. I, I, fear failure because I think I'm going to let Jesus down. Uh, and I fear failure because I 
think that this person in not receiving that that might be the only thing that God can do. Yeah. And, and of course, I can always die to my pride, and it's a really good idea to do that. So that's a win, you know. Um, secondly, I think in relation to God, that He has this incredible ability to even take the things that don't work out that we do and turn them into something beautiful and something glorious for us and for the person who was involved, uh, you know, involved in it. And so I think, I think from that perspective, um, the fear of failure is something that, I don't know, you know, our own hearts and minds do it. I think the enemy throws it in as well and says, you're rubbish. You know, you're never going to, this is never going to work. But on the other hand, just think about it. There's a great crowd of witnesses saying, come on, Wes, go for it. Yeah. There's the angelic hosts who are God's servants sent to serve us on earth. and They are present with us. There is the Holy Spirit who's empowering us. And there is all of heaven saying, rooting for us for it to go. So how do I overcome the fear of failure? Well, I worked out one. It wasn't about me. It was about Jesus meeting this person. Whatever happened to me was neither here nor there. But also I worked out that God wanted it more than I did. So actually, you know, in a sense, it was in his agenda that this person should be met with whatever grace he would give. But I also realised that in the great economy of God, this was just one moment. And actually, this wasn't the sum total of all that could happen for this person. So actually, that took some of the pressure off. So I thought, I haven't got to get this all done in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> God's at work in this person's life, and I'm just here for these moments to, to either start something, continue something, or finish something. And that will help you with, with failure in the ministry, fear of failure in the ministry. If you work out whether you're starting something, continuing something, or finishing something, because God's always at work. That's really helpful. So it kind of highlights that there's a journey and a process uh, for quite a lot of people. And, and we're just part of it. We are not the whole be all and end all uh, for this person. Um, yeah. Go on. I thought you were going to say something. Well, no, I, I just think the other thing is, of course, that um, it's how we go about it. Mm. You know, we, we do it with conviction. We do it with faith. But actually, we have to do it in such a way that we live in that humility as well as in faith that God will meet this person. So I don't set it up and saying, you know, I am going to pray and my prayer is going to be so powerful that you are going to, you know, jump three feet off the ground. I've, I've just done, that's the wrong way around. That's not what this is about. Yeah. And probably God would let me fail on that one because it was this is <laughs> not the way. But actually if I come humbly and say, Jesus, we're looking to you today for mm. what this needs. So there you go. That's great. And and turning this round slightly, um, how can we help people who we might be ministering with who are fearful themselves of what might happen? Because I, I, in my experience, God, when we're being prayed for, God doesn't put us into a position of fear. He doesn't scare us in those moments. But but what if there's somebody who is fe feeling fearful of of this moment of prayer? Does that make sense? No, it does, because I mean. Some people are afraid that nothing will happen. And some people are mm. afraid that something will happen. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you've had a life-changing illness, 
and you are healed. The life changing is quite dramatic. Yeah. You know, so you think about the blind man, Bartimaeus, you think about the, the leper, you think about the, the woman who had been excluded from her community because of, of uh, the, the flow of blood and, and suddenly life has changed. And so sometimes healing is not just God's going to come and tidy up the reality you have. Actually, sometimes healing is that this is a new life. And, and I, I've known people who haven't gone back to the way things were before because yeah. that was an old way of living and there's a new way. So I, I think the thing that we can do always, whatever the need is, is to assure people of God's love, that he, is, he loves them, he knows them, he's, a, he's, he's for them, but also to do it in such a way that maximises the peace of God. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Hmm. So, you know, with the peace, you get royalty. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not that you're thinking, oh, okay, well, let's just calm this down. Hmm. And actually, I think the great thing is I would introduce people I want people to meet the person of Jesus, not just a healing ministry, so mm-hmm. that they know that this is about them as a whole person and that God is for them. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, okay, so something that comes up every now and then, and I've heard it when we've done the uh, Healing Academy and the Acorn Lounge, specifically when we're praying for people and we are speaking with authority. Um, it might be, are you not telling God what to do? Um, and we would say, no, that's not what we're doing. But how can we make sure, Wes, that there's not too much of us and we don't start telling God what to do and make sure that there is enough of Jesus in what we're doing? Oh, I love that. That's a great phrase. Enough of Jesus. <laughs> no, that, that's brilliant. I think one of the things that I'm aware of in myself, and again, I can only talk to myself, although I think it's true. I know there's too much of me and not enough Jesus when I do too much talking when I can't wait on God and just literally remain silent and wait for him to start something. And when I jump in too early and, you know, I think I've noticed that in prayer, some of the things are, you know, as soon as somebody asks you to pray, somebody's there speaking and, you know, okay, there are are times I can't stand that. But more often than not, when we are with somebody to pray in Acorn, we don't rush in, we just wait. We wait to see how God will, will do this, what he will start, what he will usher in. And we try to make our words as few as are needed to help to, to work with, with this person and, and to serve the purposes of God. And so I think one of the key things, one of the ways that we, we don't get into uh, the place where our agenda becomes more important, for than, than perhaps the person's need or what God has in mind, is if we can wait before the Lord with the person, just in silence, just gently worshipping together. So we encourage the teams, when you start, just very quietly where you are, just keep loving Jesus, just worship Jesus with this person. And then out of that, God raises something. It may, might either, even it might come to somebody in the team, they might become aware that the Holy Spirit is speaking about something, or actually that Better still, the person might be aware that God is saying something to them. And so in those senses, we are wanting God to set the agenda. Um, And when he does, then show us what it is to do. When we are, for instance, commanding healing, be healed in Jesus' name, 
as you say, we're not telling God what to do. We're telling something else to do what God tells them to do, whether it's sickness or disease, or the enemy or whatever. We're not taking control over the person, but we are dealing with the issue in the name of Jesus. But even in that, I think the way we go about it, we can either make it us-centred or Jesus-centred. And, uh, you know, yes, we do have authority in his name, absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we get authority to get our own way. (laughs) No, and I think you can tell in your own experiences, can't you, when you've done something on your own agenda or or whether it has been uh, Jesus's agenda. You can just tell. And it's often, uh, in my experience, it's often it's just a struggle. It's just hard work. And you just know I am out of sync. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that we actually feel that way because then, you know, I need to come back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, that's why we do team. Yeah. So that other people can can step in and say, um, Wes, can I just, you know, can I just say, you know, what they're really saying yeah. to me is don't talk so much. <laughs> you know, can I just, you know, um, or sometimes the, the team will say, um, if, if, if something's kicked off, somebody might say, can we just wait before God for a moment or two, just yeah. to allow his spirit to renew us and refresh us. But I, I've known that moment when I, you know, I've got myself into a, into a ministry thing and I thought, I've got to solve this. I've got to get this yeah. done. And I'll tell you, for me, when it's over and the person's gone, I know that they didn't receive all that Jesus wanted to have because I sort of got in the way. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to know that it happens to everybody. but <laughs> <laughs> Of course, it happened to the disciples, didn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. We can easily get in the way. So that's something that as a team, we're always learning. Brilliant. And that kind of leads us into this next point for the ministry insights. It's, um, I was wondering if you could just share how we might be able to know what we are made for and what we're not made for when it comes to ministry. Oh, that's great. Um, John the Baptist, when he's challenged, they say, you're the Messiah. And he Mm -hmm. says, I am not, but I am. He says, I am not the Messiah. He says, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And, and for me, that's in ministry, that's been, always been important to know what I'm not as well as what I am. Right. You know, so for instance, um, there are areas of ministry that I would hand over to somebody else to do because God hasn't made me that. He hasn't called me for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there are other areas of ministry that I know in a situation I need to take responsibility for because I am that. That is what he has made me to, to do. Um, and and I think there are times when it's possible. It, I'd probably put it this way, Lisa. It's times when you can sort of step out of the covering of your anointing. You can, you know, chance your arm in something that you're not really made for and, and isn't really the, the gifting but you sort of see, you try and dabble with it, whatever. And, and I, I've known twice in my life when I've done that and I knew that I had confronted um, the enemy in a very, very particular way. <laughs> and it scared the life out of me, so I ran back to Jesus and hid behind him. <laughs> Should we avoid those things? If we know we're not really cut out for them they're not our strengths should we avoid them or should we still 
engage in those things? I think it depends on the circumstances. I don't go looking for demons. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not afraid of them when they come. But if they come in the flow of the kingdom of God agenda rather than a human agenda or even, you know, a demonic agenda. Hmm. I think um, ministry is only safe when it's on the grounds of the kingdom. Right, not, on, not on the grounds of the world or the flesh or the devil or anything else, but actually when we are doing the king's business or in the domain of the king, that's safe ground and we have authority oh. for that. Um, I, I know, for instance, one of the times that I stepped out, I, um, I was asked to speak um, to an issue in a church. And I remember that I, as soon as I started, I realised I wasn't made for it. I wasn't, okay. I, I was going to use the word strong enough for it. I, I wasn't equipped by the Holy Spirit for it. It was actually somebody else was supposed to do it. It wasn't me. Right. Um, and I sort of stopped and said, no, this is, I can't, you know, apart from being scared, I'm, I'm not doing this. And so I would say the, the key things are, um, if we are on kingdom ground, if we are being led by the Holy Spirit and we are in the parameters of the ministry God has given us, this is the task for the day, for this moment. And I think we're safe. Stepping out of that, I was going to say, you're not quite on your own, but it's a risky business. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. I've never actually heard anything on that before. Um, so that's really helpful. Very yeah. enlightening. <laughs> Simply because I was stupid enough to do it. But, you know. <laughs> Okay, we are coming into land. We've got two more points. Um, the first of the two, um, we are often, often shepherding other people, aren't we, um, yeah. through ministry? Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not sheep, does it? No, it's funny, isn't it? You, Even though you might be a leader, you never mm. stop being a follower. Yeah. And what I would say is, you know, uh, it's a great analogy. You know, though we're shepherds, we're also sheep. And, and we need to still do the things that sheep do, which is follow the shepherd. So there's no point at which I can say, because I'm, you know, the director of ACON, I'm doing this, that, and the other, that the rules of discipleship and the demands of discipleship um, and of, of, you know, don't apply to me. They, they do, and perhaps more so. You know, so I still have to do my praying and my worshipping and my repenting and my serving and my everything else, even though I might stand on platforms and do things. I still have to do the things. You know, I still have to tie my spiritual shoelaces one at a time, you know, just like everybody else. So that's a great phrase. You know, even though we're shepherds, we're still sheep. And we need to remember yeah. that. Absolutely. I mean, we we learn when we aren't doing those things. We Again, it becomes a struggle. We probably feel distant from what we're doing distant from god i also i heard a really good podcast the other day about leaders and leadership um and it was saying about uh so that the, the home depot store uh, in america that the ceo ceo um models the type of leadership that she likes to see among her other you know lower leaders within the company and for a period of time the top dog leaders stopped being uh, sheep I suppose for a while and it really affected them as a business I know it's different to discipleship but it really affected them as a business there wasn't as good performance the um, income was not as good for them as a company and then they d decided to turn it back around to how it used to be where everybody is part of the same thing 
and and you're all having to do the same thing at whatever level you're on um and it started to thrive and i think that is the same for us you know just if you're a leader it doesn't mean you stop being a disciple no no you're absolutely right you know and i say however whatever you're leading you can still put chairs out and pick up coffee cups when they get left yeah you know yeah. and 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 i know many leaders will do that because they don't necessarily have teams and stuff mm. but you know i think um i do you know, I, I was with another leader we were just traveling and uh, we stopped at the service station and, and used the, the loose, whatever. And as he walked out, he just stopped and he turned to the guy who was cleaning the loose and he just said, thank you. And I thought, okay, there you are. There's leadership for you. Absolutely. You know, and actually, so I still do chairs and tidy up and set things up and pick up the other coffee cup. Yeah, I can think, who left this here? But <laughs> we still have to do it. We still have to do the discipleship stuff, the loving Jesus, the reading our Bible, the obeying the word of God, just like everybody else. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so final thought. Um, how how can we look after ourselves? Great question. It's a, it was a great study that uh, looked at some of the, the, the most successful business companies. And do you know one of the things they found is that their leaders spent a, po- a portion of their time looking after themselves not just leading others, not influencing, not managing, but just investing in their own lives and looking after themselves. And I think there's a way in which um, we need to be able to say no. There's a way that in which we need to be able to say, actually, I, I, I'm at the end of the day. You know, I've had, I've, I've had enough. Before you hit the wall, um, we need to look, take time with family, with those who nourish us and resource those and not feel guilty about it. You know, and actually taking a day a month to just go and spend some time with God, not to prepare a sermon or do anything, to, just because you want to be with God is work. It's, it's, it's part of the thing. And, and actually, um, if any leaders are who are here, here's a little bit of advice for you. Never take your diary to a meeting because somebody's going to come and say, oh, could you do this? And you open your diary and you know, what they'll do is they'll look over your shoulder, you know. And, and they'll say, oh, look, you've got space there. You can do it here. And suddenly, you know, and don't be afraid if you're spending time with your family or your spouse or whatever, you know, to put it in your diary and, 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 and as an appointment, because actually it is an appointment. It's part of living. And in ministry, as, as those who serve, we are the most valuable asset that the kingdom has for those people. So look after yourself. Make sure you take rest and time. You know, I could say whatever your tipple is, have that, even if it's coffee. But, hey, you know, just make sure that you invest in your own well-being. Yeah, very good. I actually, that's one of the first things at university they taught us as we went into ministry. And I remember our lecturer saying, you need to put in your diary your own time uh, mm. for the same reason you've just said, because if you don't put it in there, it'll be snapped up and you'll be doing something else. So yeah, definitely a good point there. Absolutely. Right. And for all those in the healing ministry, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the end of all of our points. I mean, we could speak about these forever, Wes. I think they're so, so (laughs) helpful. Um, But why don't you just pray and then we'll come to a close. God, we love serving you. God, I love serving you. 
And even when times get hard and pressured, it is a joy, Lord, to serve you. But God, it's so easy just to get it out of sync. And we've all done that. So I, I ask, Lord, for myself and for my friends here on this podcast, that, Lord, you would help us with a wisdom to know what you want from us, what is commanded work, and what is just the stuff that others want us to do. That you would refresh and renew us even now, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit to refresh and renew us and grant us faith and trust as we minister to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Wes. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we're looking forward to catching you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.